Blog Talk Radio. Hello, folks. This is Carl. It is, uh, well, I'll tell you, it's moving right along. It's Sunday, the 24th of September, and uh, we're on Freedomizer Radio for a 90-minute uh, Bible study. We're going to continue in the cross of Christ, which is a very lengthy. As I say, I, I, and this is nothing that I copied out of any commentary, any book, or any any written thing that I found. Uh, it's just to be honest with you, it's just statements that have come to me uh, from reading the Scripture, and I've got five, almost six pages, eight and a half by eleven to go through, and I think this is our third week, and I'm uh, not even down to the end of the first page yet, so we got a long way to go, and uh, we will we will continue. The cross of Jesus Christ, the fulcrum point of all eternity, what you and I do with that will determine where we spend the eternity, in the lake of fire or in the new heaven and new earth. But, and I've, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flood you, as I always do, with a lot of verses. Uh, I want to give you a phone number to call in on. You can call in on 319-527-1111. Uh, and 319-527-6208. And you can... Uh, you can do one of two things. You can either ask a question, which I will do my best to biblically answer, and uh, or number two, you can uh, discuss the conversation that we're talking about today, add your uh, thoughts to what we're saying, or uh, ask a question, or maybe add something that I hadn't thought of. Uh, it's always good if we try to keep it to the context of what we're discussing that on a particular day, but that's not a hard and fast rule. There is a hard and fast rule, and boy, I'll tell you, this is, for me to talk about this is about as out of place as, uh, <laughs> I, I can't even think of an analogy. It just doesn't fit with the conversation. I have made some comments that up till about a, a year and a half ago, I was getting uh, a whole bunch of uh, obscene phone calls, and they were coming in bunches, uh, and they were. And then recently, probably the last month or two, I've made comments, maybe twice, that I haven't gotten any. Well, uh, the enemy doesn't disappoint. Last week, someone called in, I think, three times, I may, it may have been twice, they used, they called in and immediately when they started on the vulgarity, I, uh, I immediately disconnected the program and, uh, hold on a minute. Are you there? I'm here, Carl. Hello. Okay. So I immediately disconnected the phone number of these individuals, uh, but then they went to the one 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 one, which even me, an idiot on any electronic equipment, knows that's a computer number, and they dialed in on that. And twice, and it may have been three times, but I think twice, 
they came up with this rampage of horrible vulgarity. Um, if that happens, and I, I, I've said recently, uh, it hadn't happened in about 18 months, but it looks like that. I, I, I don't understand how anybody could attack a radio program in any vein if they really want to make the point that doesn't get if you had two dozen roses, there's not enough people to listen to this program that I could get a rose to everybody. Why anybody wastes their time on this vulgarity with this program? I, again, I know it's I just don't know. But if it happens, folks, the instant I hear the vulgarity, I'm disconnecting you. I have also got a record of phone numbers, and I know that's like throwing nail and jello to the wall because they can use all kinds of telemarketers call the same ones do that call me from all places of the world. Pittsburgh, New Hampshire, which is 70 miles north of the White Mountains, where there is no very little human life even. I mean, even an idiot can figure out you can use all kinds of phone numbers. But you want to play the game, you continue. I'll keep taking the numbers. Like for 10 years, I've been blocking uh, things on telemarketing calls on my phone. It doesn't do any good. I get as many each week as I ever did because the number, the combination of numbers are infinite. Uh, in fact, what is there? There's three area code. There's three in the area code. There's three. There's ten numbers in a phone number. So the probability of exhausting every number that exists that you could is 10 times 9 times 8 times 7 times 6 times 5 times 4 times 3 times 2 times 1, and you figure out the math. It's got to be in the trillions. But I'm never going to eliminate this problem. I know that. So I'm just telling you, if you're going to waste your time, a beautiful day, man, beautiful day to watch a baseball game or watch an NFL game or go mountain climbing like, my uh, one of my grandsons uh, is going this weekend out in the uh, mountains of New Hampshire. Do something. But if you so believe you've right. got a call and and spread vulgarity on this simplistic, pathetic means of communication, go ahead. But I will disconnect you immediately. Now that's a shame that on a Bible study. Uh, we have to say that, but I did. Okay, Raven, go ahead and uh, pray for the Holy Spirit to take control of what you and I say, and we'll go from there. All right, Carl. Father, Father, we pray for this person right now. Amen. Who is, Amen. Who is so oppressed or possessed or whatever his problem is that he has nothing more important to do but to but to follow but but to be led around by the nose by Satan And, and I say this not I say this, Father, not 
not in a, a a mean or evil way, but but to say, Father, this person needs your help. And we pray this right now that you would touch his heart and touch his heart, Lord, and and convict him of his of his real need for you. That you Amen. would Amen. you. Because, Lord, we know, we know that before we knew you, our thoughts were, were not your thoughts at all. And, and, and we can't even think back right now and remember some of the horrible things, some of the horrible thoughts that we might have thought or, or things we might have done that were to destroy your kingdom, even unknowingly. And so, Father, we pray for this man and for the others who are in the same position that he is. And and we also pray, Lord, that if something similar would happen today, that our hearts would not just Carl's and mine, but anybody who might listen, that they might also think to pray for anyone who might be having similar problems, even even in our lives personally, that that our hearts Amen. would not immediately go that our hearts would not immediately go to 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 thinking evil of them, but instead to wanting to pray for them. Father, give us the words to say now as we go forth into this into this program. That it be strictly about you and your will. In Christ's name, Amen. Now you just made two statements, and I want you. Okay. I want to show how the Holy Spirit is guiding you because you never alluded to this, but you said exactly what they're saying. Read Second Timothy two twenty six two twenty six. This is the problem. Okay. This is what you said the problem was. And you're right because it's biblical, not because you're right, because you, this is where the Holy Spirit is already leading you in a prayer before we even start. That's healthy. I love that. Okay. And that they may come to their senses, yes, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Yes, yes, yes. And you said to be exactly. led around by the enemy, and that's, you're, you're, you're right on. Now, yeah, the other thing exactly you made what... the comment in there is that you're, you're not doing this out of anger. You're, you're, you know, the, the, that we really need to pray for the people. Read 25, and that tells you exactly what we're to do. Pray for the people. Go oh, ahead, yes. read 225. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Yes, yes, amen. And the truth will be the only thing that can set them free. So what's interesting is I asked you to pray for the Holy Spirit to take control, and you never asked him to take control of the radio program, but you asked him to take control of a of a person that's in torment from Satan per second. I mean, that's amazing how the Holy Spirit. I shouldn't be surprised. He's God, 
But to think yeah, that he's yeah. actually sitting here and already involved in this study is just humbling. Amaz- yeah. It's a, yeah. not amazing. It is right. what it is. Right, right. All right. We we know. I got to say, we know yeah. what he does. But sometimes we're so overwhelmed, maybe by it. And just, that's a just good the word. knowledge. Yeah. Just just the knowledge just that the knowledge sometimes, sometimes that he's he, actually he's actually listening yeah. to our words that we're saying right now. The God who made this yeah. universe. That is. Yeah. Yes. I have trouble wrapping yeah. my mind around that, but of course. It is, as Paul often says, the mystery, the mystery of God. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What I want to do is, well, first of all, i got to mention something in case I forget it at the end. Anybody okay. looking at next week, or next week, October 1st, or the week after October 8th, you'll see that I don't have a program scheduled, and that is fact. I'm going to be uh, driving 600 miles on next Sunday, the 1st of October, and driving 600 miles back on Sunday, October 8th. So the next two weeks, we will not have a scheduled program. And uh, so just so you know that, in case I forget that, I've given you the phone number to call in on, and please do. And... Uh, well, like I say, you can ask anything you want, comment about anything you want. Uh, if you have it to the context we're currently in, that just, just goes and fits easier, but I'm not going to make a hard, fast rule over that either. All right, we're going to talk about uh, the several things today as far as the cross of Christ and continuing. Um well, let's talk about what the need for the need for the cross is first. The need. Okay. And then we're 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 going to give a couple of verses there, and uh, because the need for the cross, uh, and we're going to talk about the purpose of the cross, and we're going to talk about why it had to happen. And more strangely enough, I want you, uh, Raven, I hope we can get through it today. It's short. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 5. Really? Because I was going to say you could probably talk on this for, I was going to say you could probably talk on this for the next two years. (laughs) Absolutely. Raven, I've got five and and three-quarter pages, eight and a half by 11 of notes that I've written with Bible verses everywhere to talk about this. But just the purpose and the need for the cross. Strangely enough, Revelation chapter 5 explains it as well as it is 14 verses. Okay. So we're going to go here, and I'm going to go detailed through each verse that we read, and we're going to show where the need for the cross came in, and what actually happened. Uh, why did Christ have to come? Well, he had to come to pay for our sin. We know that. But this goes, Revelation chapter 5 goes a lot, lot deeper. So okay. why don't you go ahead, and in Revelation chapter 5 now, we're looking at a scene in heaven. 
and we're looking and 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 you can go ahead read verse one, and we're going to see exactly what that we're going to we're going to explore this in detail, and hopefully we can get the fourteen verses of Revelation chapter five done. Okay. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Okay, now. Then I saw. I saw, hold on, just one. Uh-huh. We're going to take verses. Right. I, saw, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Who's on the throne? Christ. Well, well the well, Father is on the throne. That's right, yeah. We're in heaven now, yes. Right, right. Christ is sitting with the Father at his right hand. Okay. Right, so right. I, I, I saw, and this is Paul, uh, this is John, excuse me, the revelator. Remember, he's in the spirit. So he's right. as in the spirit. He's going to use some language here that is literal, and he's going to use some language that's going to be figurative. When he says, okay. I saw as like this, or as I saw as it was, or as it appeared to be, or to be like this, the reason being he is a man who has been transformed miraculously, where his mind is in the, in the heavenly kingdoms. He's looking at something that hasn't even to this day yet happened, but he's seeing in the face of eternity, which is all one big picture, He's seen something we haven't even come to yet. And so he uses, as you would imagine, he can't describe every scene in heaven with things that he's seen on earth because it isn't possible. But he is he uses a lot of symbolism, a lot of it, because we really don't know what he's looking at. And he doesn't either. He's trying to give us a word picture of what he would liken it to in human language. So he sees God the Father on the throne. And he had a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Now the book that he had is the book of judgment. That's going to be the book that we're going to remember the book. You've got the book of life in it. The book of judgment. The book of the seals, which is the judgment, the seven seals of judgment. Mm-hmm. And this, this contains all of the all of the purpose, the failures of humanity, including every one of us, those who did truly repent and believe in Jesus Christ and were born again. I mean, it's got everything in it. It's a book written within and on the backside. In Ezekiel chapter 2, it talks about the same type of book that Ezekiel was referring to. But it's sealed. And here's the issue. It's sealed. The sealing means that there's nobody, if you really think of, why would it be sealed, Raven, would you think? And this is not a trick question. Right. Because no one, including the angels, is allowed to see inside of it until the day of judgment. That's right. No one can open this. And here's the problem. 
The problem, nobody could open it because every one of us have sinned. We were born into sin. It's our DNA. And unlike some false preaching and teaching, which is predominant today, uh, you never, you, you, you were born with DNA. Part of that DNA spiritually we were born with is the curses of sin. All have sinned, all have turned away from God. There are none that are good, none that seek him. Uh, So you have this DNA, and you never get rid of your DNA on this earth. Well, then what, 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 what value is there in Christ? Every bit. Read, if you would, Rome, uh, Romans 8, uh, no, Romans 6, 14, Raven. There's okay. a promise here. But I want to I, I make the promise what the promise does, not as I've been taught in a certain denomination. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Okay. Now, grace means that your faith is in Jesus Christ and him alone. That's what grace means. Your faith is in Christ plus nothing, minus nothing. And when your faith is in Christ alone, Romans 8, 2, folks, write these things down. Romans 8, 2 tells you that the Holy Spirit will only work miraculously in you if your faith is in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I have been taught by people, not the pastor in a certain denomination I started in, that once you are saved, you're born again, you're free from sin, you're totally sanctified, you'll never sin anymore. First John tells us very clearly that if we say we're without sin, we make him a liar. We call him a liar. I don't think we want to go into eternity with that on our resume. Right. So, we then come back to the idea of nobody is worthy to open this book because it's in our DNA. Even though we're born again, even though Paul was born again, you read Second Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, where the hell yeah. on earth literally he had to go through so he would depend on God and not on his own ability. So we never, we never escape this DNA of sin that we've been cursed with as a result of Genesis 3, uh, 1 through 5. Never escape it. We are forgiven. We're born again. When we die, if we die with faith in Christ alone, nothing added to, nothing subtracted, faith on what he did at the cross, that's why it's the cross of Christ is so important, you will be you will be in the new heaven and new earth for all eternity. If your faith is in Christ plus a religious experience, a biblical discipline, a biblical sacrament that you've taken, and anything else that depends on you, you're running the risk for Galatians 5, 2, and 4, being alienated from Christ and falling from grace. 
So we're teaching biblically Romans 6.14. The promise is not that you will never have sin again or that you will not be tormented, oppressed, and Reuben, you use two words there in that prayer. You use the word oppressed and possessed. Believers, yes. per Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, I think it is, a believer is not possessed of demons, but you are oppressed. Right. I thought that was interesting you used those two, and you did not use them synonymously, which is correct. Right. So we are going to be oppressed by these demons. We're going to be oppressed by the the temptation to build back. Remember we read in Galatians, he who destroys, or no, he who rebuilds what was destroyed is a transgressor. Yeah. We want to cross back over to into Egypt. Remember the remember the, the, the yeah. Jewish people? When they were in the wilderness, they said, man, we want to go back to Egypt. And the reason they right. gave, they wanted the onions. They called them leeks, which are onions or leeks. Yeah. We are going to have that desire, but what is the promise God gives us? If we put our faith in the cross of Christ, not the, not the wooden beam, but the sacrifice he yeah. made of himself voluntarily, if right. we put our faith in that alone, Raven says sin will not dominate you. You will not be under the dominion of sin. It never says, folks, I don't care who teaches it. I don't care whose commentary. I don't care whose YouTube lecture. Romans 6.14 is the word of God, and I choose to believe that. You will not be under the dominion of sin. Now, the minute that I add something that I do, or my church does, or my baptism, again, for the second week in a row, the church I went to, the pastor specifically stated, he took time out to say it, your baptism by water has no effect on your salvation. And that was after a baptismal ceremony for two people. This man accentuates that. Usually he does it twice a month. Now he's done it twice in in eight eight days. But what is baptism? Baptism is a work of man. Don't add the work of man in anything, even biblical things, to salvation. That is the purpose of the cross. We have nothing. We have nothing mentally, physically, or emotionally, or financially, or physically to add to salvation or to affect it. This is the whole purpose of the cross. Somebody had to be able to affect our salvation. And you're going to see in verse 4 how this totally upset John as a human being. And there was a book written. And whoever opened that book could deal with with what was going on, but nobody could do it. Okay, now, I want you to go to chapter 5 of... uh, of Revelation and read verse 2. Okay. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? The seals are the judgments. The judgments, folks, that are going to start after the rapture the sealed judgments, the wrath of God, 
The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 and Romans 5, 9, that we will not be subject to the wrath. Clearly, wrath, not tribulation. That is a very key error. We are going to be subject to tribulation. Jesus Christ promises it. In fact, I'll give you the verses that he promises you're going to be subject to tribulation, if I can remember them. We can go to Matthew 24, and I'll just give you the verses. And please do me a favor. Don't don't discard them because it goes against your, your pastor's teaching or your denomination or modern Christianity, which it does. Take a, do me a favor, folks. You owe this to yourself. As selfish a people as we are, even as a believer, I'm selfish in many ways. We're not selfish about what we should be, and that is not depending on other people, but reading the Word of God for itself. In Matthew chapter 24, let me just read these things. So those who say we're not going to go through tribulation, and they're basing it on First Corinthians, uh, Thessalonians 5.9 and Romans 5.9, which both of them say in any translation, it does not say we're not going to go through tribulation. It says we're not going to go through the wrath. Why would believers go through tribulation? Or why, excuse me, why would unbelievers be going through tribulation? Tribulation is the unbeliever persecuting the believer. The great day of wrath is not God punishing his own people because they're going to be gone. The great day of wrath is to unbelievers. I don't know how the church has got this wrong, but this covers many denominations. But here, let's, let's move on. He says here, you're going to have the beginning of sorrows in Matthew 24. They will deliver you, you. And the question in verse 3, his disciples came up and said, to him, what are going to be the signs of your coming and the end of the world? So he tells them, you're going to be delivered, talking to believers. He didn't mean yeah. these very people 2,000 years ago. They're going to deliver you up to be afflicted, and they will kill you. We don't think that's tribulation. And many will be offended. Many will be offended and betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets will come and deceive many. We've got that in spades in the church today. And because of iniquity, the love of, of many will, will wax cold. And people say there's not going to be any tribulation. Let me go to verse 22 in Matthew 24. Except those days be shortened, no flesh could be saved. But for the elect's sake, these days will be shortened. And we're saying there's not going to be any tribulation on this earth? Now, just just bear with me, folks, because I'm contradicting most of modern Christianity. You go to John 15, 18. Let's do that. Uh, Hold on just a minute. Let me... Let my fingers walk like they did through the yellow pages when we had them. John fifteen eighteen. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Tribulation. Let me go to Acts fourteen twenty two. And this is amazing that the churches in unison, in unison today. Very few. I don't know of anyone's preaching. I know there's people who do not believe 
who believe we're not we're going to go through the tribulation. But I don't know of any denomination or church teaching it. I'm not saying there's not. But I'm going to go ahead and read to you Acts 14.22, I believe is what it is. Yes, it is. It says here that confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must go through much tribulation to enter the kingdom of God. And just bear with me, because I'm sure there's people who are just saying, oh, this guy doesn't, uh, I don't care what people say. So let me go to 2 Timothy 3.12. I don't care that it's going to deter me from what the word of God says. I care that people think I'm the south end of a northbound horse. I'm not saying I don't care about that, but I don't care about it that I'm going to preach just to fall in line with hypocrisy. Here's 2 Timothy 3.12. All that live godly in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. And yet we say we're not going to go through persecution. We're not going to. We're going to be raptured out before it. Are we smoking the wrong kind of tobacco? Is that what it is? Do we need to go out and get the right kind of tobacco here? I don't know. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being as serious as a heart attack here. I don't know what motivates people. Now I'm going to go to Matthew 24, 9 again. They shall deliver you, answering to the Christians, his believers, the end time events. They will deliver you up to be afflicted and they'll kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my sake. Yet we're not going through tribulation. Oh, no, no, it can't be. Wake up, folks. Get our height out of our armpit, which mine was in for years. I believed all these these sayings until I started reading Scripture. So what am I saying? We're going to go through these tribulations. We're going to go through some horrendous situations. And this is where John is looking at the agony on earth that believers are going through. And John is saying, but God, if nobody's worthy to open that book, and that book contains all the judgments of the wrath of God on unbelievers, which will be the end of all evil in the world, what hope is there for humanity? Am I making sense, Raven, biblically? Oh, yes. I mean, look at, in Matthew 24, look at verse 21 and 22. I mean, I don't understand how anybody could read Matthew 24 because and Raven, not get Because, it. Raven, wait, Raven, Raven, you and I can both explain that. We have both been mesmerized by false preaching for so many years that it took you and I, I would, maybe 10 years. You and I right. have recently was, gotten away from this. This this demonic yeah. attack that yeah. Satan has on the preaching and teaching in the churches, yes, you and I have been subject to I, it. I was just going to say that, except for that I read it for so many years and I didn't see it. So I, You know what? I, I, what did you say? Revelation 24 what? No, Matthew 24, verse 21 and 22. I love 21. I didn't add that. Go ahead. For then there was I read great tribulation. I didn't read 20. Yeah, I read 22. I didn't do 21. 
for for that, but they they go together. For then there will be great tribulation, yeah. such as not has been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And, see, and he's see, talking the about the tribulation. Is, the mistake is, Raven, though, the, the preaching and teaching today across all denominations, including the church I go to now, they use tribulation, I believe, and wrath synonymously. They're not. Tribulation right. is believer. Look it up in the dictionary if you have one. If you don't, look it up on your search. Right. Yeah, he's talking They're to believers here. Yeah. I know, but the words are different. The words are different. Because, Eric, here, I won't answer names. The church you and I attended together, not the last one, but the one right. before that. Right. They firmly believe that tribulation when the when Romans five nine and First Thessalonians five nine says you won't go through the wrath, they firmly believe, and you know this, that that meant tribulation yeah. to them. No, they're two different words. Right. Look them up on your yeah. search for in the dictionary. The words mean different. Yeah. Tribulation is believers suffering at the hands of unbelievers. Wrath is God's punishment on evil. We are yeah. going to go through tribulation. I don't know how the Bible can word it any clearer, but that's not my that's not the focus of my attention here. What right, we got right. here, yeah. what we've got here, is again the frustration of John knowing that somebody's got to open this these seals, which are God's judgment on evil, because if yeah. nobody ever opens them. Mankind is going to be subject to the horrendousness of of demonic oppression and possession forever. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. Unless oh, God yeah. opens the seal of judgments and destroys in the great day of wrath that comes after the rapture, but not before tribulation, unless God destroys the evil, all of it in the world, through the great day of wrath, which is contained in the seven seals. The seals are his one by one, eliminating by destruction all the evil in the world. Unless that happens, mankind is going to be subject to this for all eternity. That's literally exactly. hell on earth. That's yeah. okay. So now when you said that, that just showed me that you understand John's frustration. All right, we now, must you, come to you, see. I'm just going to say we ahead. must, we must come to see this coming tribulation, even though it seems horrific. We must, and it, and it will be horrific, but we must come to see this as joy, just as he talks about in James 1, 2 to 4. We must come to but see it as as a joyous occasion because it, it, it means that, that Satan, even though he will rule for a short time, it's because God allows it and he is then going to be destroyed. We must see it that way. Okay. But unless someone was able to open, right, you're jumping ahead and you're right. 
I want to okay. look at John looking at things as he is. He sees yeah. this judgment, and he knows that the sealed judgments. He knows it. He wrote about it in Revelation. I mean, he actually penned it, wrote it. Yes. He sees this. He knows that's God's destruction. But nobody in heaven and earth or under the earth or in the sea. Nobody was capable or worthy to open it up. So that means that if nobody opened it up, God could never exact wrath and destruction on evil, which means we'd have this forever on earth. You see the problem? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Read, read, read verse 3. This is what John's looking at. And we don't have to explain to John what Revelation said because he wrote it. Read verse right. 3 of Revelation 5. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Even look at it. Yeah. So John is saying... That means that this world that we've inherited from from Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 and on, and the curses, they're going to go on forever. Second Timothy 2.26, where Satan is playing us like a cheap ukulele, that's going to happen forever, tormenting, oppression, yeah. possession. And that's what John's looking at. And, he, and read now in verse 4 what John's reaction was. In verse 4, so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Mm -hmm. You see where John's frustrated. Now just stop at verse 4. Yeah. Nobody is able to do this in heaven and earth, under the earth, or in the sea. Nowhere, nobody. All right. Now we come to the purpose and the importance and the necessity The cross is 100% sufficient, and it's 100% necessity, meaning you must have it. There is no other way to salvation. There is no other way to God than through the cross. There is no other way to God the Father than through Jesus Christ. Now we're going to get into the purpose of the cross, folks, and the need for it. It's not only 100% necessary, it's 100% needed, and it's 100% sufficient if your faith is in that sacrifice alone and nothing that your religion, church, or denomination, or any dummy like me who has preached false gospels before I decided to only read the Bible. About nine, ten years ago, and Raven, you knew the period of time because, and it doesn't seem like that long ago, it may not have been ten, it may have been six, where we used to go to another city on Sunday night to do Bible study. That's when I determined I'm done listening to man. I've got three bookshelves full of commentaries and good preaching and teaching. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Carl, you're either going to focus on my word and I will teach you or you're going to be on your own. So I'm only maybe six, seven years into this mentality. And I'm telling you, I've been misled and I've been tormented over it. And what Mr. John is seeing here, why he wept so much, nobody could open the book. And if nobody could even look at it or open the book, God's judgment on evil would never happen. And the world's going to continue for all eternity with human beings being tormented. 
That's John's problem here. This is the purpose of the cross. Now, we're going to get into God's solution. Now, I got to remind you, human beings were put on this earth. It was never God's purpose that man sinned. Man did that on his own. Genesis chapter 2, the last verse, that Adam and Eve were naked. I mean, they had no excuse, no religion hide them, no good works, no financial assistance they depended on as saving their soul, no baptism to save their soul. They depended only on God. And they were walking with the cool of the day with God in the garden. And they were not ashamed. There was no sin. Unlike I've heard in Bible studies where we had to commit sin for God to make us what we are today, that is a heresy from the pit of hell. God permitted sin, but God did not need sin in my life to set me straight. I chose sin. And this is the part that John is saying, this is going to continue. How God can can this happen to your human beings that you, you love and created? And no one could even look at the book, no less open the seals, meaning there's never going to be an end to this. Now read verse 5, and we're now going to get into it. There's going to be one person he's going to see who's worthy. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Do you see what's going to happen? Who is this that's going to do it? Who is the one that's going to be? Who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, who is worthy to open the, means is worthy to end all evil? Who is the only one? Christ. Amen. Are you, is this is this making sense? People listen on the radio. Are you are you are you seeing where the cross is now the means to solve John's crying in verse four of Revelation five? Amen. And without the cross, there's no salvation. There's no forgiveness. And without forgiveness of sin. There's a lake of fire for all eternity. Sin can't go into heaven. Amen. Now, we got to think of something. In Genesis, as I said in chapter 2, God never designed there to be sin. That was man's choice. One man sinned, and that was Adam. Remember, Eve didn't sin, because God specifically told Adam in Genesis chapter 2, or no, Genesis, uh, here, let me give you the facts. I don't want to just throw things out and sound like. Hold on. Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it, for in the day you eat of it 
you will surely die, meaning physically and spiritually. Okay, now Eve hadn't been created yet. This is in verse 15 through 17. In 19, he talks to Adam about he needs a helper and he's going to create Eve. So who is the one that sinned here? Remember, Eve is the one in Genesis 3, 5 that Satan says, God knows in the day you will eat, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. You'll know from good from evil. And the woman saw the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eye and the tree was desired to make one wise. She took the fruit and ate it and gave it to her husband and he did eat. But who is the one that sinned? It was Adam because in Genesis 2, 15 through 17, God specifically told him that is wrong. Eve, Eve did not, Eve was deceived. Remember that. This is very important. This is why the, 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 the animals that were sacrificed in the Old Testament had to be a male of the flock. And I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just rambling on and on. So what we have is God created this perfect universe that Genesis 2.25, Adam and Eve were part of. But man willingly sinned. Man sinned. Eve didn't. She was deceived. Man violated willingly God's word at Genesis 10-17. The Leviticus says there is no making a sinner better. The sinner must die. Okay? The sinner has to die. We have another problem. Man's sin, only man can pay for it. That's why every animal that was sacrificed had to be a male of the flock or a male of whatever species. Because the male is now Jesus Christ, going back to Revelation 5 and verse number 5, with the root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, he prevailed now to open and loose the seven seals thereof. The seals were the judgment to end all of man's domination, possession, and obsession by Satan. Now, this is this gets a little bit lengthy. But man had to die. Man had to pay for this man's sin. Because man was the one who sinned. So a man had to die. There, again, every sacrifice in the Old Testament. God intended man to live on this earth in the, in the new heaven and new, the way the new heaven and new earth is going to be right from the beginning of, of Adam and Eve, of Adam. But man sinned. What did man do? Man gave the kingdom that God created man for. He gave all that authority to Satan when he sinned. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. When man willingly sinned, he opened up God's perfect kingdom for Satan to come in and to, and to rule. That is very important. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's ruling. Is he under God's authority? Absolutely. But God has still given him dominion over this earth. How can we have the things that happen on this earth that are happening and have happened if Satan wasn't ruling? He's ruling. God sets limits, but he's still ruling. So we had to have a man. The sinner must die. Only the sinner dying will please the father. 
Leviticus over and over. The sinner must die. Only the blood of the shed blood of the sinner will forgive sin. The blood is what counts for atonement. So you take Carl, who's a sinner, and Raven, who's a sinner. You take the two of us and you cut our veins and we bleed to death and we die. That doesn't do any good for humanity. So you had to have only God himself could come to this earth and die and yet not ever come back again. Why? Because God himself was the only man that never committed a sin. Carl and Raven dying for your sins might be a wonderful thing to talk about, but it ain't going to do you any good because we're sinners. Our blood is tainted. Our blood is is satanically oppressed, possessed, not possessed, oppressed, and in many obsessed. So the, the problem is man lost the kingdom. A man had to die in order to get the kingdom back, but that man had to be a man who would never, who would, the, the death wouldn't hold him, and no man on heaven or earth or under the earth or in the sea could do that because every one of us has sinned. We couldn't be resurrected from the dead. There's only one that could come and die and not be held prisoner by death, and that was God himself who became a human. Is all this making sense why God had to become a man? Yes. Kingdom back that man lost. And he had to be a man. And he was. He was fully God, but fully man. But his death is the only thing, the cross, that could do what? It could do what Leviticus 17 says. In fact, let me go to Leviticus 17. I'm learning things as I'm talking here. Or it's becoming more solid in my mind. Isn't it amazing, Carl? It's yeah, amazing it how, how, Carl, how God does that, yes. Let me read Leviticus 17.11. Leviticus 17.11. The life okay. of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul. It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So we now have God's rules on sin. Only the death of the sinner, which means shedding his blood, only that is going to be acceptable for covering sin. But once Carl and Raven die, we're hopeless, we're powerless, we'll never come back again. Well, that doesn't do any good for anybody, including Carl and Raven. So you had to have the only one who never committed a sin to die because Sin is what puts us in the prison of death. And if a man had never sinned, death couldn't hold him. And that's exactly why God had to become a man and die. Hopefully it's making sense. That was the cross, the whole purpose of the cross. God on the cross did what you and I couldn't do in the form of Jesus Christ. He died and shed his blood to cover our sin. 
But even though he physically died, death couldn't hold him because he never sinned. Is the picture becoming a little more clear in Revelation 5? Oh, yeah, definitely. Honestly, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not that you're going to be dishonest about it, but if this is the first time you'd heard it, making sense. This yeah. is the no, whole it's, purpose it's, of the cross. This is the cross's right. purpose. It's to redeem mankind and get man yeah. back to what Adam surrendered to get it back to man. And that's going to be the end of time. when that, And we're very close to that. I personally think yeah, we're... Yeah. we're I, I don't think, I think we're within a reasonable number of years from that process starting. I think it has started, but I mean, get serious. Okay, yeah. so we have verse 5. Now they found somebody who is worthy, and it's Jesus Christ, who is going to come back as a man. He never sinned. He was worthy to open the book, and he was worthy to do what? There were four living creatures that the book of uh, Revelation talks about. Four living creatures, were they were distinguished from angels. And God used the four living creatures. He used them to carry out all the judgment, the sealed judgments of destruction and wrath on unbelievers and evil. Now, this is what John said in Christ. After all, there's a man who can open these judgments. So the world isn't going to be condemned for all eternity. All right, read verse uh, verse 6 of Revelation 5. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst four of living the elders. Creatures. Hold on. Do you see where they're separate from the people? They're separate from the yeah. saints? They're separate from the angels. These are the four yeah. living creatures that Ezekiel 1 talks about and chapter 2 in Ezekiel, mainly chapter 1. And these living creatures have, and we're going to see them later in Revelation during the great day of wrath, where God does judge the world and destroys all evil. We're going to see how they carry out the judgment of God in the day of wrath. We're going to see that. But these are four living creatures. To be honest with you, my translation, the King James says four beasts. I don't like that four beasts because I was thinking these were the mark of the, I was thinking these were the evil beasts. This is not. These are the four living creatures in Ezekiel chapter one and two that Ezekiel describes that he can't even explain what he sees. They got six wheels on each foot, and they got eyes all over. These are living creatures that God is going to use in the book of Revelation to carry out the judgment. But now, all of a sudden, I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts. These were the ones who were going to carry out the judgment now that Christ is worthy to open it up. Okay, keep going. In six. And of the four, four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Okay, let's break this down. The midst of the elders. Now, who are the elders? 
The elders represent all believers from the time of Adam and Eve till the day that the last saint enters the kingdom of heaven. Not goes to heaven, but enters the kingdom through repentance and faith in Christ. Now, you're going to see in the Revelation where he talks about 24 elders representing all of mankind who's in heaven. Why 24? How many tribes were there in Israel? Uh, Twelve. Amen. Twelve tribes. So the 12, remember, 24 elders. Twelve of them were Israel. Because remember, spiritual Israel will be saved. Even though Israel right now until Christ returns, the religion of Judaism will not accept them. But there are people who have been Israelites, and there's still going to be, until Christ returns, who are going to be believers. And these are the 12 tribes of Israel, meaning those believers who died with their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, where do, that's only 12. Where do the 24 come from? Okay, the other 12 are representing all of the Gentile nations and kingdoms. I was going to ask so you that. Got, I thought that's what that meant now. Yeah, no, it's the Gentiles. So now you've got salvation, and this is what Judaism in Romans 9, 30 through 32 can't accept. They can't accept that the, that the Gentiles, who were dogs to them, can be saved. Because they were did not they were not descendants of Abraham physically. Now Galatians three sixteen says you are a descendant of Abraham. You are a spiritual Israelite if you are a believer in Christ. Galatians three sixteen and twenty nine. So it is the spiritual descendants of Abraham. But when they use twenty four elders, it's the twelve tribes of Israel, and then it's the 12, the other 12 are the Gentile groups who are all going to be saved through faith in Christ also. So you're going to have 24 elders. We're going to see that. Down through verse 5, it even says that, 24 elders. It says it all through Revelation. So Raven said, in the midst of the elders, that's all saved human beings. Stood a lamb as it had been slain. Christ was killed, having seven horns. Horns are are government. Seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now understand that seven horns is government. That's perfect government. The number seven means perfection. Seven eyes, he sees everything. Seven spirits of God means the wisdom of God totally. And he sent him forth unto all the earth. You see what John's all of a sudden seeing? He's seeing yeah. this lamb that was slain, but sin could not hold him in the grave like it holds you and I because he never sinned. But he is going to die and shed his blood on the cross to bring forgiveness to us who have sinned. 
Yes. So John is now seeing in this 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 root of David, the line of the tribe of Judah, a human, a person, a, a, an entity who's going to become a human being. He's never going to have sinned. He can now die and shed his blood. And he can gain back from mankind what one man, Adam, lost. One man, Christ, is going to get back the kingdom for all mankind that one man, Adam, lost. This is not, this takes concentration. One man's death. One man sinned and brought judgment upon all. One man died and brought forgiveness to all, if you will believe. You see the necessity of the cross. You see where this is tying into the cross of Christ. Without the cross of Christ, that's why, and a lot of times people, Raven, and I know they do. I've got relatives and friends of mine that Christians call, you're, you're meaning well. But you're very bigoted. You're very one-sided. I know I am, but that's God saying it. In John fourteen right. six, Christ said, "I am the way, the truth, the life. No one goes to the Father except by me." I am not the one being bigoted or one-sided. Jesus, God the Father, is saying, "There's only one yeah. with salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. If you don't like yeah. it, it's going to cost you your eternity." Right, right. That's a tough thing when people say you're bigoted, you're one-minded, you're intolerant. Well, number one, I'm glad glad that the engineers at Lockheed Martin General Electric that made the airplane turbines for years, I'm glad that the engineers at... uh, Oh, what's the other aircraft? Uh, Boeing. Not Lockheed Martin. Boeing. I'm glad that they're only one way. Thank goodness right. when I'm in that airplane. I'm glad they're intolerant right. of error. Right. So all of a sudden, you see in verse 6 of Revelation. Now read that one more time and see where John has seen the cross coming. And I look. And behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. To do what man can't do. That's to get the kingdom back from Satan that Adam gave to Satan. And Adam gave it to him. Eve was deceived, but Adam sinned willing. All right, verse uh, 7. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. He came, it was Christ. And he took the book out of the right hand of him, God the Father. What John is saying? Christ is now going to go to the cross. You see, folks, at the cross, the single event in all of history that your faith is in, you are skating on thin ice, trust me. All right. Now go ahead. 
and go ahead and read uh, verse 8. Okay. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I want you to think of this, the prayers of the saints. And I'm not criticizing anybody, folks, because I'm part of it. How many of us are thinking that God never answered a prayer? Right. The cross of Christ. When 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 the when 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 the new heaven and new earth, you're going to see where there was not one prayer that you or any human being ever offered that God did not pay serious attention to. Yeah. Why? The prayers of the saints are full of golden vials of odors, which are good odors, aromatic odors. The prayers of the saints. This is an, 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 an anomaly enigma. The prayers of the saints were rejoicing about God's son being brutally killed. And that is a sw- smell of sweet odors. <coughs> Excuse me. That is a smell in the nostrils of God. You know what's an abomination in the nostrils of God? Religion. He hates religion. Yep. Religion is to replace what his son did that's acceptable to man. I don't need the cross. Galatians 2.21. If righteousness could come by any other means than the cross, Christ dying on the cross. We're saying Christ died for nothing. And when you are depending on anything religious, including baptism by water, including King Jesus into your heart, including accepting Jesus. No, that's not the true gospel, folks. You must preface everything with repentance. Acts twenty twenty one repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. No repentance or sin, no faith in Jesus Christ. And if people are selling you on the fact that you're part of the Harper Valley PTA because you accept Jesus or ask him into your heart, you are on a broken, rotten stick hanging over the lake of fire, and it is going to break. Yep. Amen. And that is what John is seeing. The cross of Christ came and took the book out of the right hand of him, the Father that sat on the throne in verse 7, meaning Christ is ready now to go to the cross and end all of the kingdom that Adam gave to Satan. Aren't you tired of Satan killing your family? Aren't you tired of Satan making perverts out of you and all your family, making laughing stocks out of us? having us commit suicide and depression that that we can't even see out of? Aren't you tired of this, folks? That's what John was crying about in verse 4. All this human misery is going to continue for all eternity. And he's seeing no. Now he's seeing in heaven, and this hasn't happened yet. He's seeing that Christ took the book out of the right hand and sat on the throne. Now, why did... 
what has happened is he died at the cross, which now gave him that authority to take this book out. But you see where John is writing chapter 5, it's all about what Christ did at the cross. That's where he got the book. That's where he got the authority to take the book and to, and to condemn Satan. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts who were the living creatures that were going to carry out judgment, and the four and twenty elders fell down before their lamb, having every one of them the harps and the golden vials of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. You see, in eternity, you see we're in verse 8. Every prayer that you have ever prayed, you're going to see that God did not put it off. He did not neglect one prayer that was said legitimately. Not a prayer where we do like we, when we're called to pray before we're, we wolf down our meal. Just to, you know, oh, oh, great heavenly Father, oh, great Father God who created the universe, bless this food, make it nourish us. Hey, folks, I'm talking about praying to God. If the President of the United States were standing right in front of you, you wouldn't pray. You wouldn't speak to that man the way most of us pray. Most of us. And the word us means me, including you. Now, Christ has taken the book. Why? Because of the cross. Remember what it says here. The one that he found worthy was the one who what? The one who had died and yet came back. He had been slain in verse 6. Verse 6 is the cross. A lamb stood there as he had been slain, having seven horns. That's Jesus Christ. That's the cross. Verse 6. But I want you to understand that your prayers, celebrating and rejoicing, in the horrible death of Jesus Christ. The Bible says they are sweet smells in the nostril of God. What is an abomination in the nostrils of God? Religion, which says the cross is not necessary. We can do it on our own. And we've got that rampant in Christian churches today. Oh, I got to tell you something. You ever hear of a Dr. Michael Youssef? Y-O-U-S-E-F-F. Yes. Leading the way ministry. He's phenomenal. He is an Arab. He's an evangelist. I heard Friday, and I'll try to quote it as, as best I can. He is saying that the churches and the ministers and preachers and teachers today not only today, but have been and are continuing or are getting more numerous. They are preaching false gospels, and they're doing it because the people have itching ears and the people don't want to hear truth anymore. Michael Youssef said that on Friday, September the 22nd, 2023. I'm not condemning. I don't know enough to condemn. Back in March, I heard... Dr. David Jeremiah say the churches have failed the people. They're not giving the true word of God anymore. Greg Laurie, who this big movie was made about, supposedly, or part of his, I didn't see the movie, but I guess he, his, his 
biography was entwined in one of these movies. He said the same yeah, thing. I thought, yeah. The churches are preaching. Yeah. The, the preachers and teachers are doing what First Timothy 4, 1 said, more and more in latter times they are preaching doctrines of demons and devils. I've heard Jimmy yeah. Swaggart say it. I've heard this Yusuf, Dr. David Jeremiah, Dr. Jack Graham, who is a Ph.D. from Dallas Theological Seminary. David Wilkerson said that over and over and over until he passed away. What was it? Yeah. Probably 10 years 2012, ago. 2012, I think. Yeah, I think it was 2012. What's that? I think yeah, it was I 2012. Too. I do, too. I think you're right. But I want you to understand from verse 8, your celebration of the horrendous, miserable death of Jesus Christ is a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. And your prayers are a sweet smell. Why? Why? Because your prayers by thanking him for sending his son to buy back the kingdom by the cross, which Adam and Eve gave up. This is the value of the cross, Romans 5. All right, read verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This is the, okay, folks, verse 9 is the purpose of the cross, the purpose of the cross, redemption of man that Adam and Adam lost. Read that again, Raven. It's so good. It and really remember, is. they're saying yeah. this constantly. Well, and, and, and the, uh, the last, the last part there is proof that the because I, I didn't see this before is proof that the twenty four elders is both Jews and Gentiles because it says Absolutely. out of every tribe yep. and tongue and people and nation. Yep. yep. Yeah, and, and they sang a new song saying, "You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain." and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. They said only one God. man, only, only a man could do it, but it had to be the only yeah. man who never sinned because Carl yeah. and Raven die, and we don't come back from the dead on our own. But being a man, Jesus Christ never sinned. He's the only one that could die to redeem us. And he did. You see the value of the yeah. cross. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. And you're right. That that last part is the 24 elders. In fact, I'm going to make a note of that because you are correct. All right. This has already happened. Raven's going to read 10. Past made is past tense. Go ahead. Hold on, I'm writing that note down for me too. 
Jews and Gentiles. Okay. Uh, verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Aha. Now, what is that referring to? Just think of your reading in the Bible in Revelation. He shall reign on the earth. That's referring to Revelation verse 4 and 6. And in Revelation 24 and 6, he says when the millennial reign comes, he's going to have rulers ruling for him on the earth. And who are those rulers going to be? Those rulers are going to be? Revelation chapter 20 verse 4 says all those who were beheaded for their testimony of Christ in the tribulation period. But wait a minute. We're not going to go through tribulation. How could these Christians be being beheaded? Don't ask me. Ask the people who say we're going through, we're not going to go through tribulation. I can't answer it. And then verse 6 says, there's another another section, another group of people who are... 24, 20, verse 4, who are going to rule on earth. And it is all those who have died in Old and New Testament believing in Jesus Christ. They beheaded, martyred in the great tribulation are going to rule. Do you see where that is? Revelation 24 through 6 is what verse 10 is about. We will be kings and priests and rule with God on this earth. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, definitely. Hmm. All right. I can't hear you. I don't know if you lost or if I lost. Oh, I can hear you well. Oh, there. Now, now Now I can hear you. Okay. Okay. I have a feeling... You're kind of coming in and going out on me. I don't know if it's you or me. I I don't know if you can hear me, Carol, but I'm going to hang up and call back because I can't. You're going in and out on me here. Oh, uh, right. Should have you. Okay. All yeah, right. You know you. what? We're we're right we're right down to the end. Why don't we just cut off right here? We'll start. Not next Sunday or the Sunday after. We will start right. on October 15th. October 15th, okay. we're going to start with uh, Revelation 5. Let that. On 10-15, Revelation 5-11. Okay. Okay. And this is interesting because he's looking at all the believers, both Jews who believed and Christian and Gentiles who believed, and he can't even mm-hmm. number them. Do you see where they're again, Raven? And we're not going to go to that. That's the house of the Abrahamic covenant. I will make your descendants. Yeah. You can't number them. That's yeah. the Abrahamic covenant. Yes. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Absolutely. I mean, it's just, this is why I believe the Bible. Man couldn't have written this book. 
It's too con. It's it, 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 he couldn't have thought of all these things. How you can right. how, how how God can take this verse talking about what John is imagining or thinking he's seeing and actually quoting the Abrahamic covenant, which is Genesis. That is unbelievable. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this, this is, absolutely. A, and I'm going to use a word that's not normally, the connotation is not normally good, but this is addictive when you see what God is doing. It's addictive. It is it really what? Is. Oh, addictive. yeah. Yeah, it really is. Which is yeah, a word I agree that, with you. Which is a word that's not normally used for something good, but it is. Yeah. All right, yeah, Raymond, do, you um, want to add any, do you want to add anything to what we've done today? If not, let's say a prayer and and give the people no, coming I, up in three minutes a break here. I have nothing to add except for that I am I, I'm really – Really enjoying this. I've I've taken sort of a hiatus from uh, from doing you know my own studies right now, other than doing my own at home. I mean, you know, and um, and I'm just kind of soaking everything in. So I'm really enjoying this study a lot. And uh, okay, people, for what Raven's talking about, and I think I know what she's alluding to. Uh, for three years. Oh, two and a half years at least, she had a radio program on and freedomized radio on Wednesday nights and was excellent at it. But God has decided to move her just like he did me back with COVID. I had a ministry that I was, or his ministry that I was conducting five, six days, five and a half days a week. I would go to nursing homes doing Bible studies. March 20th. In one week with COVID, every nursing home, something like 14 of them, canceled me indefinitely. So God changed me to where I'm now doing no more nursing homes, but I'm doing 17 Bible studies a week. Her hiatus is God has just said, you run your course with that. We're going to move you to something else. So, Right. And he will. It's funny you said that because just this morning in my prayers, I was, God, put it back in some ministry that you've got. Because right. it, it, it's it's nerve, it's a, it's frustrating when you know you're, you, you, you know, what, who was it, Daniel, that said, did Daniel say if he doesn't preach his bones cry out? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it frustrates you, but it doesn't frustrate you in a bad way. It's just you want to get busy for God. Yes, and and I know that he has. He keeps telling me, uh, "You need you need to be patient and and let me work this and all that out." Is, so and being patient, folks, waiting for God is harder than mm-hmm. a very warm place that will be for all eternity. Yeah, it is. It's very difficult. It is. It is. Yeah. It is a gut burner. Yeah, it, it is. But as I'm as I'm learning to say, okay, Lord, I I, I got this. I, I I mean, not me, but I mean, I'm I'm understanding that you want me to just be but patient still, and allow you to handle it. It's still you're like you're like those racehorses waiting for the gate to open. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good description of it. Yes, I'm. No, I, I watched that. Yeah. You, know, you know, the movie, uh, 
what was the movie of the famous horse? Uh, oh, oh tremendous um, movie. Secretariat. Yeah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Secretariat. They actually put a camera. It had to be on the in the in the gate itself, and this horse secretariat yeah. was going crazy waiting for it to open. Yeah, and and that All is right. how it Why feels. You go ahead and thank God for taking control of this study, um, yeah. and thank Him for. And we need to keep praying for these people who are enemies of the cross. We do. Yeah. We need to pray yeah. for these people like that gentleman who keeps calling us and harassing us with vulgarities. I don't have anything yeah. against that man. He's being tormented as I've been tormented yeah. in the past. And sin yeah. torments yeah. you, believe me. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. All right. Father, we thank you so much for giving us this ability to reach out to people who are either unchurched, unsaved, or who just want to hear the word in a way that that they know is is just straight truth from Scripture. And and Lord, we thank you for being able to to, to give out that word. For thank you for giving me the ability to just sit and, and listen and help Carl with reading scripture because it, it, it is so good for my soul. And, and I know many others feel the, feel the same way when, when they just are able to just listen. And we ask, Lord, that you give them the ability to go out and, and give the gospel as well to others. And we love you for it and we'll thank you for it each and every week in Christ's name. And we'll, we'll be back in three weeks, right? Well, three Sundays. October 15th, we'll right. be back. Yes. Right. Three Sundays. Gotcha. Yes. All right. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Take care. Uh-huh. Bye. Well, uh-huh. You too. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.